So, how long we got? Where's our destination today? I don't know. We got 20 miles to cover. Let's talk some movies. People don't know how to drive. Are we going to get lunch on this gig? You see anything good recently? Not really. Right, we got a little time, Steve. Let's do a podcast. Sounds good. Well, welcome back. It's been a long time, but this is Film Driven. I'm Steve Haskin. And I'm Andre Shane, and uh, we're back on the road, driving, yeah. back in the car, risking our lives again, Steve, for the world's the, most dangerous podcast. For the benefit right. of our of our listeners. Nice to be back, and uh, I guess this is kind of a last-minute Oscar podcast. So, without further ado, I do, no, without <laughs> further ado, uh, we should, uh, I guess, jump right into the amazing world of the Academy Awards 2023. Exciting yeah, time. it's Oscars. The, uh, Jimmy Kimmel's back hosting. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Hopefully nobody's going to get punched this time. I hope somebody does get punched, and I hope it's Jimmy Kimmel. There's a crisis team. I think they'd get, they oh, would uh, get intercepted. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, fun. Uh, that was probably the most exciting Oscar moment of all time. I don't think they'll, they'll top that. I think in the future, all Oscars should involve... Some sort of personal combat. Fisticuffs. Yeah. Something where the top two nominees get to duke it out. Or swords, something along those lines. Oh, yeah. I think that would I think that would raise the the ratings because the ratings of the Oscars have been plummeting for years, right, Steve? And sure. uh, and with good reason. Uh, or not with good reason. I don't know why I'm not I'm not gonna get into my theories as to why nobody seems to give a shit. Uh, I certainly give a shit less. I don't know about you. The vibe on the Oscar host is that it's one of those things that seems like a good idea, and then everyone who does it seems to hate it. So, like, like yeah. once you do it once, like maybe twice, but then after that, the Academy has to come begging for you to do it. Right. Uh, right. Which, again, like from the outside, you're like, it doesn't seem like it'd be that bad, but it's, a, it's just a hard room full of... Very famous, very self-conscious people. Right. And now yeah. these people have a feeling that if they don't like a joke made about them, they could literally assault the host. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, I, th I think that feeling has been released, which makes it a little more exciting because once again, it'd be great if yeah. somebody jumped on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Well, Andre, I'm actually, it's interesting. I'm kind of the other, I'm almost back in my Oscar interest this year. Uh, you know, I, I have a long-standing thing of I quite enjoy the Oscars because I don't take them all that seriously. Sure. Like, I'm certainly not bound by, uh, you know, whatever wins best picture, that's it. The other pictures are lesser. I don't believe any of that. Right. But I have a great time with the... And uh, this year, I used the Oscars as, like, a catalyst for, like, watching a whole lot of movies. I've yeah. seen uh, more of the shorts than I normally have. I've seen uh, some movies I wouldn't normally have seen. And uh, I've had kind of just a fun time using the Oscars as an excuse to like, all right, now I gotta watch some movies. Now tonight I'm gonna watch EO, the donkey movie. Nice, you know? nice. Uh, yeah, I like that. I and 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 I agree to some extent. I've seen a an unusual amount of Best Picture nominees this year. Yeah. Uh, because so many of them have been on streaming, which certainly makes it easier to watch yeah. more films for everybody. So yeah, there's uh, there's ten nominees. We'll probably go through most of them, but the first one, I guess, the easiest one to talk about, is uh, "Women Talking" because that is the 
that movie is not streaming anywhere, and huh. neither of us have seen it. Yes, Steve. These men will not be talking. About the women talking. Uh, which, I mean, uh, I'm interested in that movie. It has a great-looking trailer. I very much want to see that movie, but uh, it is not playing within 20 miles of my home, and I have not made the time to go see it. Uh, I will see it at a later date. Me neither. So, uh, best of luck to women talking. I don't think it's going to win. That doesn't mean it's not a quality film, but we don't know. We don't know. At this point, it's a mystery to us. So, moving right along from women talking. Should we go then? Yeah. So, let's. What else have you not seen? What else have you not seen? Oh, the only other one I've not seen is actually the. Um, I have not seen the new Avatar. The have new, you seen that? I have seen Avatar 2, uh, but I have not seen the Fablemans, ironically. Oh, now that I have seen. So we can each weigh in on those. So, so Avatar, um, part of the deal of Film Driven is uh, we're not professional critics. We are film buffs who kind of work in the video film industry. And uh, as such, I maintain my prerogative to just not give a shit about Avatar. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't interested in no. it, and I didn't see it. But you did. You yeah, did. I saw it at the theater. It was an impulse buy kind of a situation, and uh, I barely made it through the first half hour. But then the movie uh, kind of changed locations. The good thing is there's three more after that. Became, three more yeah, there's plenty more. I, th I find the whole thing extremely silly, but um, I do have to say I kind of enjoy the film to some extent. I mean, it was, I thought it was actually better than the first film as a as a narrative because the first film was so derivative of other films we've seen. I don't need to name them, but Pocahontas and Dances with Wolves sure. obviously come to mind. Um, so this one did not have that. It had a kind of an original family adventure story behind it, and it played pretty well, I thought. So um, I enjoyed it, and uh, I have no idea why it's nominated for a Best Picture, because it really shouldn't be. Its technological achievement is... Uh, I mean, it's already been achieved. He's already done Avatar 1. Yeah, there so that, was a that's an interesting question, because I do remember with the first Avatar, my main, you know, I did see that one in the theater, 3D, the whole deal. And the thing I was most impressed by was uh, the depth of field with the 3D technology he was using. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. prior to that, so much 3D was just literally like, okay, this thing's going to jump out at you mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. couple times. Yeah. And he really created these worlds... And that I felt, you know, when you saw the first Avatar, that, like, if you went in the theater, 3D, the whole deal, it did feel like an experience. Yeah. But it felt the same way that, like, riding a roller coaster is an experience, where, like, you know, you do it, and you're kind of thrilled a couple times, but it's not like three days later you're sitting around having dinner, like, reflecting about this roller coaster you were on. Right. And with the first Avatar, it was going for the angle of like, look, the best picture should be given to the movie that's like, this is what this year was about. And at the end of the year, I forget when, 2007, whenever it was, everybody was like, we're all talking about Avatar. It's the year it's of the, the Avatar. It's the year of Avatar. Um, and this year, nobody's talking about it as much. I mean, it was a financially yeah. successful movie. Extremely successful. Uh, Every, like, like, tons of people went to see it. Tons, I mean, tons of theater revenue was generated. And yeah, but nobody's talking about, swallowed. like, all movies are going to be in 3D now. I don't hear any yeah. conversation about it. It, 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 it. I mean, it's better looking than the first Avatar. The technology is better, obviously. It's going yeah. to be within, the, you know, over a decade of work. Uh, so yeah, it's fine, and uh, we got to stop talking about it because <laughs> I'm, I'm falling asleep already. Uh, but uh, 
but yeah, Avatar. It's not going to win. No, I don't think it is. But it may steal uh, the special effects categories. Uh, and by steal, I, I mean, I, I, that sounds pejorative, doesn't it? Steve? It does. Steal? It does. Not, okay, it may take away more deserving special effect awards for another film we will talk about very shortly. Okay. Uh, but uh, what was the one you uh, that I have not seen? The Fableman. Oh, the Fableman. I have seen the Fableman. Yeah. And uh, was the, it mediocrely good? No, I actually think it's a lot better than that. Uh, good. I really like the Fablemans. The Fablemans is an interesting. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I will say it is kind of a different movie than you might think it is. That it was marketed a bit. It is more or less uh, an autobiographical Spielberg movie. Like uh-huh. That, that yeah. part is okay. true. Okay. Um, you know, the character's named Sammy, not Steve. Sure. And they're Fablemans uh, instead of Spielberg. Correct. Okay. But a lot of it is apparently very much from sure. his life. Um, but it is not, it's more um, about family dynamics and mm-hmm. the nature of an artist mm-hmm. and what it means to be an artist and falling in love with movies as your art form mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than it is some like uh, a love letter to cinema is like this cliche for a lot of movies. Right, the love letter to cinema. Yeah, that's, that like that the would whole be the thing Empire is about... Light, Steve. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, The Fableman is not that. I mean, right. like there are bits, there's certainly parts of the movie where Spielberg's falling in love with cinema and what cinema can do but it also explores in an interesting way some of the darker sides of that. Like there are parts of that movie where the young Spielberg character kind of sees how he can exploit things, how he can use footage to manipulate people for good and for bad. And um, so it's not a perfect film. There's some flaws in it. And But I, I really think, Andre, you will enjoy that movie. And I think that is... You know, I always say a hallmark of a movie is, like, how much do you think about it afterwards? And I thought about The Fablemans a lot, and I actually feel The Fablemans is a movie I will revisit oh. over the years. That it, you will come back, because there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in that movie. Um, cool. Well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely and, uh, see The Fablemans. There's, 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 there's no scenario where I will not eventually see The Fablemans. What's, what's The Fablemans playing on? Uh, it's not streaming yet. I think it's oh. still in theaters. I think it comes. Problem, it'll man. be streaming within a couple of weeks. I forget where, but it's it's. Mm-hmm. You can go. Uh, it's on DVD already. So you could acquire it at your library or at Target or something. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I, I will. I will. Redbox. Uh, I will see Redbox. I still. They still send me emails, man. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I'll see the Fablemans. The, you know what? What can I say? I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. it yeah, it, so it, that... it does strike me as a rather what it seems like kind of a pat move for a aging filmmaker like Spielberg to you know to make a movie that's portrait of a young filmmaker as a young man. Or sure, whatever. but it's also like I, it's kind of a pat move for some people. But Spielberg isn't real autobiographical. He's more of an entertainer. True. And uh, so this is an unusual move for him. Um, you know, it's... Michelle Williams is nominated for Best Actress. Uh, I don't think she will win, but she's great. In, I mean, I'm a gigantic fan of her. I think she's one of the best actors working. Uh-huh. I'm delighted to see anything she's in. Uh, this is a different role for her. It's a little more manic in places. 
uh, a little more stylized. Mm -hmm. uh, if you ever, if you saw her work on the uh, Fosse Verndon yes. TV show, yes. it's kind of more in that vibe. Got it. So it's uh, there's a archness to it, but it's good. I also, uh, I've never been a huge Paul Dano fan. Dano, Dano. I, yeah, and he's great in this. Like he, uh, they they tap into some good Dano. He's talented. There's no question yeah. about it. It just, you know, some actors one connects to, others doesn't. Yeah, just and in not. this role, and that can change. in this role, I really bought him. So, yeah. yeah, the Fablemans, I think you should check out. I did that. We'll talk. That is not what I think will win Best Picture, but if there's a dark horse candidate, oddly enough, it's <laughs> hard to think of Spielberg as the dark horse, well. but just because he is such a beloved industry figure. Right. Like, you know, one of the things about the Oscars, as you and I know, and maybe some of our listeners, maybe not all, part of the deal with the Oscars is there's some shenanigans when it comes to who wins. Like, you know, in terms of campaigning and, like, it, it's not necessarily a purely you can buy the Oscar vote, but you can kind of half, like, you know, um, Harvey Weinstein, was fam he's famous for many things, but he was very famous for applying a lot of heavy-handed pressure when it came to Oscar time. Mm -hmm. sure, sure. People think that a lot of Miramax's Oscar success, it had it wasn't just the quality of the movies, it was because Harvey was strong-arming a lot of people and then getting the movies out there. And uh, there's an acting nominated man, we'll talk about that. But So Spielberg, like, if Sunday night the Fablemans wins Best Picture and Spielberg wins Best Director, like one of the reasons that might have happened is Spielberg, Hollywood industry titan, maybe his people make the rounds and are like, listen, Steven really wants this. He wants to fucking it's give his him, life. Give, give him, him an Oscar. For give his him life. the Oscar for the Fablemans. Uh, Tar and everything all at once. Those guys will have other chances. He's almost eighty. Give him the fucking best picture. <laughs> right. And uh, so it wouldn't shock me. I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah. it could. He might also win the best director thing because they've been splitting director pictures a lot. for yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, exactly. lately. So it's very possible that it may be a situation of that sort. Um, we don't know. We'll see. Only, only time will tell. So uh, moving right along, uh, what's our next picture, Steve? Well, uh, we'll go down the list. Uh all Quiet on the Western Front. And uh, so you've seen that? Seen. Yeah, and I i mean, first of all, Andre, uh, that movie's fucking loud. So I don't know. Uh, it is. It's got. Maybe mis mistitled. I don't, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yes, it was It was ear-shattering, uh, which is ironic. But, you know, the, the movie's, I guess, built on a lot of irony. Uh, it's a potent anti-war drama at a time uh, when... Uh, you know, maybe we need a little anti-war sentiment. Yeah, have, have like... you seen the original movie? It's from uh, like 1930. I cannot recall seeing the original movie from 1930. Uh, I, uh, I've heard amazing things about it. This film honestly left me a little cold. Yeah. I felt like I've seen this before. I've seen the sentiment. This was certainly brutal. It had a lot of, you know, sudden death uh, you know everybody pretty much dies in this film in ways that are unpleasant to say the least and 
I did not feel impacted by the film. Perhaps I need to see it again. I specifically disliked its cinematography. I did not like the aesthetic they were going with. Oh, uh, the film yeah. is nominated for Best Cinematography. It's nominated for all sorts of things. It was not, yeah. not my bag in that, in that respect. All the performances were strong, but um, I, I found it good, but not great. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of 1917, <laughs> which, and oddly enough, this movie mostly takes place in 1918, so it can almost be the sequel. Damn it, Steve. <laughs> this movie takes place in um, 1918. What is it? It has nothing to do with yeah, 1917. Yeah, um, obviously from the German point of view, not the British. But there's this interesting trend that, I don't know if you found this, Andre, that some of the technology these days is so good that it's almost like... You, I don't know if take for granted is the right word for it, but like you can make a movie that is technically impressive and that on a technical level would have been unthinkable just even like a decade ago. Right. Um, in terms of the craftsmanship involved. But then like once you you do that and then it's like, okay, so what? <laughs> like, what are you... And this movie felt like a lot of effort and exquisitely... I, I did kind of like some of the cinematography, but just, you know, like a lot of... People working at very high-end levels of acting, special effects, all that stuff, to tell us something that we've known a million years. Like it's war as hell, Steve. Yeah, and and it's worse on the soldiers than unless it is. it's against Russians. That yeah, really, <laughs> and then uh, war as hell, and uh, war's not what you think it is. If you're a young man, it's uh, way worse than you think it might be. And yeah, so I don't. I've read a lot afterwards about that this film, the novel it's based on, and the original movie, that that both that novel and that movie spent a lot more time talking about almost the dangers of nationalism. And there's a little bit of that in this film, but I don't know. It just felt like I saw every beat coming a million years in the you know before it happened. So it's like a, unless you really need to hear, you know, maybe every generation. Needs to hear wars. Needs to see this film. <laughs> I, I'm uh, not. I, I totally agree with everything. Like again, if, if this movie sort of existed in its own bubble, but 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 it, it, you know, I think it would be stronger. But it exists in a in in, in a cinematic landscape that's littered with movies about that specific topic. I mean, yeah. with the yeah, you know. I mean, the, did the best of which was in my opinion is uh, Paths of Glory the sure I, I'm with you on that I mean, but as that, far as World see, War to me I this stuff. movie seemed very much of a piece with not only 1917 but Dunkirk sure and yes. I had the and then same... there's those films which I also well and I know I I know a lot of people who admire both of those movies but those movies also left me cold that I felt both of those movies were more I don't know, like, it felt like directors kind of showing off, like, a trick more than it felt like right. a story that needed mm -hmm. to be but, told. But, yeah, both movies had sort of cinematic uh, gimmicks. Yes, yes. The gimmick of Dunkirk worked better than the gimmick of 1917, and both of those films I found more interesting and impactful than All is Quiet on the Western Front, which... All these things have been said before, and, uh, and they'll be said again, and maybe they're important to say, but uh, again, the movie left me a little bit cold. Uh, I would see it again, uh, and maybe I'll have a different take on it, but at this point, uh, it was certainly not uh, 
my favorite film of the year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that movie does seem to be kind of the old cliche that there's a certain type of Oscar viewer that's a sucker for a big war epic. And there it is. That's the big war epic this year. Um, so, yeah, neither one of us think it's going to win. We're not all that great on it. But uh, moving on to a, a movie I found much more interesting is uh, The Banshees of Inishirin. The Banshees of Inishirin. Yes, uh, the, actually, I find that there's a good amount of talk about The Banshees of Inishirin in, yeah. the, in the landscape. And uh, uh, it's, you know, Neil McDonough is a wonderful writer-director. He's done or some Martin interesting Or Martin McDonough, who's the manager. Oh, is that his name? Yeah, Martin? his name's Martin. Martin. I mean, maybe you call him Neil. His I don't brother know. Neil is a buddy of mine. Yeah. I, I confuse him all the time. No, Martin McDonough. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and... Uh, He's very good, you know. The movie was solid. I, I, I think that movie, for me, stands out for its performances. Yes. Uh, and particularly the performances of Colin Farrell, of course. Sure. What's and, his uh, name? Brendan Gleeson? Uh, or are you talking about I the, the kid? I actually feel I've seen Brendan Gleeson do better work than I have in this movie. And well, there's... I found his character... It's not that he didn't give a great performance, and I know he's also nominated. He just gave a Brendan Gleeson performance? I just feel that Colin Farrell really was amazing. He had the whole body language, and I'm sort of on a Colin Farrell kick lately as an actor. And I I think in the last few years, he's really, really grown enormously as an actor, and is sort of like in this whole other league right now that he existed in before. And this movie is a prime example. He's got the body language by the character instantly his he's not overacting but you can read every emotion on his face it's really good the movie I, itself I found a little frustrating let's, let's talk about Colin Farrell before we talk about okay. the movie because I do want to talk about both of the things I'm completely on board with you Colin Farrell there was this weird time around a minority report and a couple other things where it seemed like yeah, Colin, he was, where they, they were, were trying to turn him, him into like yeah. yeah like he was maybe going to be the next Tom Cruise or something yes. and he's a very handsome man he can certainly carry a movie by himself but he's he didn't take that path and I think that was the best thing that ever happened to him that he kind of pursued almost more of a character actor trajectory. Yeah, yeah. And I'm with you now. I am quite enamored with Colin Farrell. I think he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. And, um, and this is, I mean, I don't know. Again, I like him in all sorts of things, but he is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And there's a chance uh, he's it's probably between him and uh, Brendan Fraser for best actor, and mm-hmm. I really hope it's him. Right. <laughs> and, uh, um, but Colin Farrell is... There's four great performances in this movie. I mean, like, well, there's right. him, there's Brendan Gleeson, who I'm kind of with you that it he's, I don't know how to describe it, because you're not blown away compared to other things he's done, right. but he's also rock solid in the role. I mean, like, it, <laughs> Listen, and he, those two guys play off each other beautifully. Sure, yeah, absolutely. The relationship, actually, you know, it makes sense and stuff like that. But again, the... the to get back to the problematic element of the of, of the thing, and then maybe I don't know. I mean, we should talk about performances again. Sure. Obviously, uh, Carrie Condon uh, as the who's sister, nominated, yes. as the she's sister not, is nominated. And, uh, Barry Keegan is she's nominated fantastic, as and Barry the, Keegan yes. is also nominated for best supporting actor. I'm not sure if Keegan's role is uh, like impactful enough to be to win. It's possible that uh, he may have some. Uh, trajectory to win. I don't know if he will, but I hope Carrie Condon wins. She's been around for years doing a lot she's of TV work. Great. She's just fantastic. She's, and she's kind I've of the soul of the movie. Much. Well, I mean, oh, they're I, both great. Um, I, 
yeah, I mean, I, and so the, for me, the performances are the key to that film. The, the, I, I was frustrated by the film. I did not necessarily buy the choices made by one of the main characters. Sure. I just didn't fucking buy them. And the movie, and that means the movie did not sell them to me hard enough. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't. And that was the whole thing. And I understand that the movie operated on a sort of a metaphorical level where that metaphor, I guess, being the Irish troubles and all that stuff. But I didn't think the metaphor was particularly potent. Uh, and once you got deeper into the story, I thought all I, I, I thought it kind of went to shit. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry to say that because I really enjoyed the first two acts of the film. At the beginning, it's very funny. It uh, is funny. It, it's not at the end super funny. Well, it, it is was... funny, and it, it it fails in that tone. You know, yeah. it, it it abandons that tone at the end, and it becomes so ridiculously anti-funny and so ridiculously unheartwarming, and 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 it's just it's just like you just feel bad for these characters who literally were just kind of. In some cases, completely discarded, like Terry, uh, Carrie Condon's character, and to some extent, Barry Keegan's character, too, but at least that had a narrative point. And in other cases, just, like, forced into doing ridiculous things well, and making ridiculous choices that I didn't buy, and so that's my, my issue with, with, with the Banshee. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, because I... Um the movie did work for me, uh, similar to The Fablemans in a very different way, that it's not, it's got flaws, but I overall really liked it. I actually liked it better than other uh, Martin McDonough movies I've seen. I can't remember where I read this, but I read a really great point about him, kind of what you're saying about the, you know, how, and it's that his plots keep getting in the way of what he wants to say. <laughs> Which is that, he, you know, he wants to make these movies about themes, about friendship or, like, tolerance or acceptance. But then he'll have these plots, and then at some point the plot just takes, like, one ridiculous turn too many. And then you're like, well, I just don't buy it. You yeah. know? So it's yeah. like, if I was making a movie about loneliness and it's set in the world of, like, construction workers, and then eventually, like, the construction workers start fighting, like, an alien. You're kind of like, I understand that the point of the movie isn't their construction work, but the alien plot, just like, it, I can't, now I'm lost and all I'm thinking about is that's dumb. And this movie to me, I, you know, we're trying not to spoil it. I know exactly what you're talking about. And for me personally, I feel like it walked right up to the edge of that. <laughs> but I still rolled with it. I was able to just deal with that part of it and move along and still get the other parts of the movie. Because to me, this movie is kind of about... Uh, not even so much the metaphor of the Irish Troubles. The Irish Troubles itself are almost like factoring into the movie's argument between the two main characters about is it better to be like nice and kind or is it better to be like leave notable works? And how this movie is about how, the you know, from one angle, this movie is about how they take a nice man and beat him down. <laughs> 
until he is not yeah. very nice anymore. Yeah, I, you see that, that, and, that's why the movie is should be about the thing that you just said about how what is the philosophical. It is, but to the way they do that got and, in the way for you. And <laughs> <the> exactly, <laughs> and then it gets into this ridiculous thing that creates completely friggin' manufactured conflict, and uh, yes. and 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 you know it all just goes to shit, and you're just like, why? What? And even like it doesn't hold up as a metaphor. It doesn't work. It, it's and and I, I don't like it and yeah. and uh, I liked it a lot more than you did and I was able to I, I enjoyed to watching the film yeah, Steve. Yeah. I enjoyed watching yeah. the film but I think when you digest stuff and you said we're not professional critics bullshit we're totally <laughs> professional critics we've been doing this for decades where's the money okay oh yeah <laughs> shit good point okay uh, but seriously I mean you gotta digest this stuff and try to figure out its philosophical underpinnings yes. otherwise you know what's the point then it's just all Marvel movies right so um, and that's sort of where I walked away with uh, on the on the Banshees and, uh, and and I just cannot I have not been able to think my way out of that pattern yes and that's that I mean film. like that's the problem I have with the three billboards outside Minnesota movie yeah. and I felt like that movie took some plot leaps that then I'm like come on yeah I thought yeah. all his films have that yeah. issue I was literally just watching Seven Psychopaths and that yeah. movie literally is very enlightening as to uh, uh, as to Martin McDonough's sort of thinking process yes. because in that movie he's essentially the protagonist of the film and 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 you could see like he drinks too much he comes up with wacky ideas he has trouble uh, synthesizing different ideas into a cohesive thing so he tends to be all over the place like he himself is well aware of his shortcomings but the question is how well does it work and and in the banshees um i felt let down yeah Okay, so yeah, we don't don't fully agree on that, but we do agree on uh, some great performances. Absolutely, and I I certainly hope that Colin Farrell wins. Yeah, though I have not seen the whale. Um, so moving on, I want to go to a movie that I kind of expected not to like, and actually wound up liking quite a bit, and that was Elvis. Elvis, man. Um, <laughs> right off the bat, I want to say I'm not a big Baz Luhrmann guy. I don't hate him, but just his whole. Excess, except his uh, aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, that's not really my, that's not my bag, man. And right. uh, but I thought it really worked for yeah. Elvis. Yeah. And uh, and that movie just zips along, and it's kind of wacky. It's also Tom Hanks, who's not nominated. Tom Hanks gives one of those performances that is right on the like. Is this awesome or is this terrible? Terrible. It is. Uh, first of all, I don't know about okay. Partly my age, I had long heard of Colonel Tom Parker. Right. I knew the broad strokes that he was Elvis's right. manager. He was supposed to be a dick. He stole money from Elvis. Responsible for some bad Elvis career moves. Every photo of him, he just looks like a southern good old boy. Right. And in my head, he's like Boss Hog from right. the Dukes of Hazards. <laughs> and uh, that's so, not what he was like. And it wasn't until this movie started there were previews that I had any idea right. that he was right. like an Austrian man with an accent. Right. And um, and Tom Hanks plays him kind of as a cross between a Doctor Strange love and uh, the evil Dutch villain from the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> Gold member? Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's almost like the starting point of this right, performance. Right, 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 right. 
but it really, I mean, he and is, he's also the main character. He's the, in the main film. character, of the even movie. though the film is called Elvis. It should, in fact, be called Colonel. He is the main character, <laughs> and uh, but he's the narrator at least. He moves the story along. And I'll Elvis say this: is, I was never bored by the performance. Oh well. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Elvis. I, it, it's a it's a crazy, big, over-the-top, entertaining romp, you know, with uh, uh, Austin Butler is really great. I, yeah. I thought he played a terrific Elvis. And uh, um, I don't know if he's the screen's greatest Elvis, but yeah, he's got to be up there. I mean, at this point, it's almost like an impossible role to me. Like, you know, right. there's so many cliches for it. So just the fact that I quickly just bought him as a convincing movie yeah, character yeah. is a great achievement. <laughs> well, he had, he, what he does have is he, he's very charismatic and, and intrinsically, and I think that sort of is the key to playing that character because the problem with other movie Elvises, not all of them, but most of them, is that the, there's just, you know, not quite there on the on the almost godlike charisma that Elvis Presley. Yeah, presents. well, this movie, uh, what I appreciated, maybe more so than a lot of Elvis things, was it doesn't. You get a lot of Elvis the musician. Sure. And I don't just Absolutely. mean like technical prowess right. at any instrument, but just you know his performances. Like they spend a lot of time about how the magic of Elvis was his music and what he did to people. Right, right. And I thought that was great. And I will also say, you know, like Elvis in Vegas became a cliche. And right. certainly like, you know, the final years of Elvis's life, he was pretty bloated. Right. He was in bad it's shape. Bad. Yeah. But, you know, if the early Vegas residencies were anything like this movie, that they looked were. fucking fantastic. It was fantastic. I mean, like, it was you know, when, when Elvis in this movie, when he first starts performing yeah. in Vegas, you were like... I don't give him all the money. Oh, that it was fantastic. Great. Well, there's a documentary on HBO. Uh, I believe it's called Elvis Live that 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 deals with that period, and and it is, and, and this movie heavily took from that film. Yeah, uh, in some of his best sequences, actually, and yeah, I, I think this movie kind of redeems the Vegas Elvis in many ways. You know, it kind of takes him out of the realm of total cliche, and it may redeem El- El- Elvis. Um, I don't mean redeem in a bad way, but but you know, like like Elvis has waned in the public culture in the past ten or twenty years. You know, oh, I know, and his he stature has is... dropped, and this movie sort of brought him back up there and said, "Hey, this guy was 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 a one of a kind entertainer, possibly the greatest entertainer this country's ever produced," which is saying something since this country kind of created showbiz in a way. Yeah, and uh, its portrayal of Tom Parker is interesting, is that he's. I don't know, in the movie, it's, he is, I mean, he is essentially what you think he does, you know, kind of manipulate things for his own advantage, and he's a bit of a parasite, but he's also, the movie makes it sound like he was always fairly upfront with Elvis about what he is, and what's interesting is that he seemed like a guy who more or less did not give a shit about music. Like, really, not a fan of... nothing to him. Yeah. And that was part of the problem. And he's just, like, he's a salesman. And what he sells is, like, he wants something that can make him money any way he can. Right. And he recognized an Elvis. He's like, this kid, the way that people react to him, I can make a lot of money with him. Yeah. And, um, And it's, you know, it's a weird... You'd like to think there'd be a more pure 
relationship <laughs> than maybe to have a manager who actually would push him in ways to make him more artistically interesting or to challenge himself on that front. And Tom Barker didn't seem to care about any of that. He's yeah. just like, you know, if making movies at the moment, we make more money off that, we'll do that. And then yeah. if people get tired of that, we'll then go back to music. Like, he just, it didn't seem to bother him one way or the other. He's like, I just want to make money. Yeah, but I, I thought the film had a rather nuanced attitude towards the colonel, uh, him being sort of the main character and the narrator, where, you know, you understood him a little bit. I Again, they've completely kept the colonel's background. Like, we have no idea what what that guy came from. I You know, was he a refugee? Was he a Nazi? What, yeah. what the fuck was he? Nobody, you know, there's so much mystery surrounding Well, there's a dude. time, you know, it's, you know? it's hard to imagine now, yeah. but there were times in this country where, yeah, you can move to a new town and just call yourself something else. Yeah. And then and, that's you. Or, you know? yeah. well, I mean, he's from Canada, and so it yeah. was it was just just. But weird, I just mean you know? like your your past records. People yeah. really could. You, you could like, wipe your slate clean. Yeah, which is in a very you real way. Like people yeah. would right. really, you know, it would take right. like some crack investigator years of their life to figure right. out right. anything beyond what you told them. Or, you know, your past exactly. two years yeah. of yeah. bills or something. Exactly. We will always have to answer for this podcast, Steve. Always. Yeah, that's, it'll be easy to track live. down. Correct. But, uh, yeah, Elvis is a great time. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great time. And I have to say that uh, that uh, Austin Butler may be in the running for Best Actor as well. I mean, it's he, what the difficulty level of what he did uh, is very, very high. Very, very high because... You almost have to be born to play this character in a sense. It's like you can't just, you can't, it's not enough to be a good actor. It's not enough to be able to play music and perform. Uh, he took it to the, like, sort of the next level and uh, and uh, he did a great job. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, I don't think Tom Hanks was intending this, but, you know, sometimes if you have a movie where you have a character, like maybe your lead character's not the best guy. So then sometimes the writers will introduce another character who's like way more despicable because then it makes your main character more, you know, relatable. Like, oh, there's some other... The trick the Elvis movie does is that, you know, it's become such a cliche, the Elvis voice and Elvis's mannerisms and how he talked. But in this movie, you just bypass that because the Tom Parker voice and mannerisms, that's the more extreme. So, so like, compared to that, Austin Butler's Elvis voice is, or, like, just like, oh, that's not that crazy. It's very, you know? it's very so like, see, see, what was you say about the, uh, yeah, the rest of this podcast, you know? See, that's, it's, you, it's like, a, like, uh, it, yeah, it's like a C Elvis. Like I don't know, tell. yeah. Well, not a professional. Work on that. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Elvis, uh, good movie. Uh, enjoyed it. Uh, not a great movie. Will not win the Oscar, but I'm glad they threw it in there. Yeah. Uh, this, the the awards that Elvis re deserves to win are awards for sound design and sound mixing because it's outstanding in the film, and the, the film does deserve those awards. Yeah. Possibly costumes in our direction as well because it looked phenomenal and beautiful uh, and not cliched. Uh, so... Hopefully that. I also, uh, I would wouldn't mind if it won for editing. 
Because I think that movie is edited extremely well. Choices. Like, uh, well, it's 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 frantic. That's that's basically. Yeah, but it's not just look. that. I I understand that, and you know, I, I know in a lot of the technical categories, the cliche is that uh, whatever is the most of that category wins, <laughs> and that's been my problem in right. general with Baz Luhrmann that there's a lot. But this, it's not only the frantic jumping around within, but it's very coherent. Right. It like frantic implies that it's like I don't. You know, it's like a Michael Bay action scene where you're like, I don't know what's going on. Right, right. No, Whereas, like, this like... is very, it flowed lovely. And, like, you know, when it, scene to scene, the transitions are great. <laughs> like, I just, it, it moved a lo- <laughs> For a movie about a man who uh, descends into, like, a drunken, drug-induced stupor and dies at 42, it's a party. <laughs> it sure is, baby. It sure is. Yeah, it's a fun time in the movies without any question. And and, and we need that. And it's, it's, uh, it's it, you know, Baz Luhrmann succeeded at what he set, set out to do with Elvis. I mean, it was a home run. Yeah. Uh, that's, he, he could not have tried for anything above what he was able to achieve here. And the movie even had some emotional stuff, like right at the very end. That stuff is, is strong, you know? Yeah, it's like, great. Like yeah. that last scene, it just really friggin' works, and, and then it actually cuts to the real Elvis home. And, and it's not even jarring. You're ju- It's just sad. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, it's actually strong. So, thumbs up to Elvis, and uh, I would laugh with delight if Elvis won Best Picture, but it won't. Well, jumping ahead to another uh, crowd pleaser that's not going to win Best Picture, and that is a uh, Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. What so, can we uh, say about that? Film, I know Steve? it's uh, so it came out uh, last summer, which feels like a gazillion years ago. Uh, you and I, I don't think have discussed this movie on a pod, but we've certainly discussed it. Uh, Top Gun Maverick credited with saving the entire movie industry last right? year. Yeah, Spielberg um, apparently was friggin' hugging Tom Cruise yeah. recently and saying exactly the same. And uh, Tom Cruise, as with everything, takes it very seriously. He does. Uh, which is uh, somebody's got it. I mean, in a weird way, part of what we love about him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's committed. It, he was probably committed if to the film. If there's any movie that everyone listening to this has seen, it's probably Top Gun Maverick. Um, Andre, what do you think of Top Gun Maverick as a movie? Well, I mean, I thought it was, again, it, it nailed its target perfectly, you know? It, it, as low as its target may have been, it's not so easy to do that. It, it sort of walked the tightrope of nostalgia, but still still being kind of its own thing. And I think in many ways it's a better film than the first Top Gun. Uh, technologically speaking, it's a it's a kind of a game changer. I mean, some of the stuff that they were doing, I mean, when, when we're talking about special effects, we're generally talking about stuff that people program into computers. In the case of this film, when we're talking about special effects, we're talking about mounting IMAX cameras inside of F-16s yeah. and flying them with the actual actors who are supposed to be flying them in the in the film? Yeah. That is really really impressive, and it works. It it's it's a, a it's a kind of a cathartic experience. It's visceral. You're in the cockpit with these guys when the plane lurches to the left, and you see them bang their head into the window in the opposite direction. That's really friggin' happening. It's impressive. It adds to the excitement. So the movie was very exciting. I mean, is it is it anything beyond like military industrial porn no well it is not it, it's 80s porn <laughs> well i mean again it, it's a, it's a sequel to one of the quintessential 80s films and of course it's going to be nostalgic in that regard but uh, 
I don't know, man. I mean, it's uh, it, it mission accomplished uh, as yeah. far as Top Gun too. Yeah. I'm, and and you know, so I mean, obviously, you're not as as big a fan of it as I am, and and I'm not saying I am actually a big fan of it as a as a lover of cinema, but but I do think it's a successful picture. Well done, so to speak. I'll agree with that. That's uh, yeah. I mean, that movie made me feel like. In some, in a weird way, for such a crowd pleasing movie, it made me feel bad about myself because <laughs> I often like to tell myself, Andre, that I'm not like a film snob. I'm like a film yeah, enthusiast, you know. And like you can identify and, with yeah, every man's cinema. And there's all sorts of Stallone crowd, you know. Movie. I've enjoyed Marvel movies and uh, Star Wars yeah. movies and all sorts of things like yeah. that. That's, that's and this awesome. movie, I, uh, I just, it's again, I felt like I was admiring it from a distance. The way, like, I'd say, like, yeah, I can see that some people enjoy NASCAR. And that's, I, uh, you know, it didn't, it hits every single fucking beat from the first movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like. It does. And, I mean, my favorite recycled bit was the idea that 20-year-olds in 2022 like to go to a bar and sing the same songs that 20-year-olds in 1986 <laughs> sang. Which, even which were then, songs or 20, from like 30 years earlier. Yes, yes. Like the idea that that men, <laughs> that young men go to the bar today and I'll sit around a piano and sing Great Balls of what Fire would 20 is year like old, uh, fucking uh, hilarious uh, to me. Naval cadets sing in this day and age? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think they'd play Wop? the piano. No, I think, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe they would. Exactly. Like there was only one thing lacking for me, Steve, in that in that film, and that is a this is kind of a crazy theory I came up with about about the whole like romance, you know, with the Jennifer Connelly character, sure. you know, and uh, I love Jennifer Connelly, you know, she's great, and but she was just there because like she we've seen her in the '80s, and she's still beautiful and makes a cute couple with Tom Cruise. Sure. I thought it would be so much more interesting if they brought Kelly McGillis back instead of Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. And have Kelly McGillis, if you've seen pictures of Kelly, she's, you know, she's like an old lady. She's, yes. looks her age. She's she's very much a, you know, she's kind of a prominent uh, lesbian. Uh, and bring her back as that character, uh, pretty much herself, yeah. with a child from Maverick, and have him work through that. Uh, the, yeah, it's not as exciting as uh, running around in planes and great balls of fire I, and a but, hot you know, bartender. They could be doing it in a bar. Yeah. Oh, I mean, doing it by doing it, of course. I mean, discussing. 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 <laughs> see, that's why. why see, Tom, there you go. Why Maverick <laughs> drove, drove that character to, uh, to abandon switch all teams. men. Yes. Yeah, to switch teams. That would be a fantastic little element that I think tied all together yeah. for the audiences. But I mean, I it will. So, again, this is me being a grumpy old man, but my favorite parts of Maverick were actually the acknowledgement of time. Sure. That I kind of enjoyed the fact that they didn't just pretend it was, like, two years later. No. Like, yeah, there's a lot, and it's not just one or two. Like, there's a lot of examples. Like, you know, the movie kicks off with basically John Hamm's character, like, confronting Maverick. Like, why the hell are you still around? Like, <laughs> yes. you know, like, like yes. at your age, either A, you should have, like, far advanced in your career. Right, right. Be or you should be by now. out. Like, you yeah, know, like, yeah. like no one, yeah. no one's this kind of like mid-tier guy after a 25-year military career. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that when they had the, you know, of course, the requisite 
beach sports scene. <laughs> which, you know, that hit every... But I enjoyed that Tom Cruise takes, like, a few throws and then, like, literally like, sits down, like, yeah, like, you kids do this. And, right, and, right, and right. I kind of, you know, people talk about there's a the scene with Val Kilmer and where they interact and how... And, like, that scene I actually liked. That I liked that less. What I liked more was that those characters had a text relationship. Like, they would text each other, because I found that extremely believable. <laughs> like, I just yes. kind of enjoyed that. Like, they're not in each other's lives all the time, right. every text. day. But, like, you know, Maverick's there, and it's Goose's kid, so he sends his old buddy a text. He's like, hey, Goose's kid's here. And, you know, and, and his old buddy just sends him a text back. And I'm like, I found that, like, touching and believable. I'm like, now that I is, like a, the whole that is old thing, friends. The, the only thing wasn't yeah. believable with Val Kilmer was that, like, his hair. That was the, I found <laughs> yeah. that to be a little. Well, I like too just the concept too that Iceman did advance, and sure. that part of the reason Maverick was still around was that Iceman, on it sounds like on several occasions, yeah. pulled some strings. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it was just he like throughout his whole career. Yeah, not didn't pull the strings enough to get him a promotion, but just enough to not get him kicked out. Yeah. To be like, yeah, just you know, keep him around. Yeah, What's yeah. the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> You'll blow up a foreign country is the yeah, worst thing then, that can happen. Yeah, and then afterwards, Maverick texts him, "Thanks, buddy." You know, like that. Right. That's, that all made sense it. to me. Right. So yeah. I did enjoy that part of it. See, there's things to enjoy for everyone. Uh, you know, except the people that wanted that, that storyline with Kelly McGillis played out. <laughs> that never that's not gonna happen. Well anyway, maybe for the next I mean Top Gun. That would be a that would be a fun direction to go in. I don't think Maverick's gonna win uh, Best Picture, but its reward no. is making no. all of the money. But I do hope that Maverick wins some of the special effects uh, awards or technical awards because it is technically stunning. It is this is what I was saying earlier about Avatar. I do not want Avatar to get all the technical awards just because it's friggin' Avatar and Top Gun gets completely overlooked for stuff that is in every way as groundbreaking as anything in Avatar 2 uh, and really, I think, just looks spectacular uh, on a giant, giant screen and also plays well on a smaller screen. Too. Sure. Well, Top Gun Maverick, but uh, so now we're gonna move. We got a couple contenders, and then uh, one. Well, let's talk about the non-contender one. I think, but I'm fascinated by a movie that I just saw the most recently of all the movies, and that is Triangle of Sadness. Yes, and, uh, I think you've seen that as well. Yes, right? I sure have. Uh, so Triangle of Sadness won uh, the Palme d'Or, which is essentially the best picture at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, that guy who made it, uh, I think is a Swedish director, Ruben Ostlund. Uh, he's also up for best directing. And then um, this movie is up for best screenplay as well. Um, so there's a lot to talk about Triangle there's of Sadness. There's a lot to unpack with the Triangle of Sadness, dude. And, and I, I would just say that I bet you that a lot of people have not watched the film. It is available on Hulu. It is on Hulu. It's available on Hulu, so I, I highly recommend you check it out. Ruben Osland is a fantastic director. His previous films included Force Majeure, which was remade into a terrible uh, Will Ferrell yeah. film, but is an excellent film. And his film after Force Majeure is called The Square, which is seen even less than Force Majeure. And that is a fantastic film about the art world. He operates in a world of sort of social satire. 
He's funny, and I love Triangle of Sadness. It's a weird-ass movie, Steve, but... I will say, I think I this it. is the weirdest movie that's ever been nominated for Best Picture. It's a, it's a wild, it's wild It's a very claim. bizarre... It takes some crazy tonal shifts. Yes. Um, and one of those tonal shifts is that, uh, for me personally, the first, like, large scene in the movie, not the very first scene in the movie, but it's like the second or third mm-hmm, scene, mm-hmm. first kind of extended scene in the movie... Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a title sequence, and then the movie starts. I'm, I'm making this too long. My yeah. gist is that I thought the beginning of this movie was terrible. Like, really, yeah. I was watching it with my wife uh, just on her no, couch, no. and she got up and left just because no, she's it, like, "I this is boring. I yeah. hate this. I hate these characters. Yeah. And I stuck around, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> it had some excruciating scenes, but I don't think it was terrible. It was just conversational, and it, it I think if you took your the tone that you have sort of settled into for the rest of the film and just applied it to that first scene, you would find it actually quite hilarious. That'll be interesting, yeah, for me to go back watch and watch that it. Fir- well, yeah. it's just the first scene, dude. If you think about it, if you compare it to, like, the first scene of Tar, it's about half the length of that scene, where Tar sits around talking about Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't mean that this sequence was, like, necessarily all that right. lengthy. Right. I guess what I mean is that before I was, like, settled into the overall vibe of the movie... It's in retrospect, like you say, it's almost funny to me that it's like the opposite of inviting you in. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, well, like it's like, yeah. what if we took this scene of these characters you don't know who seem kind of annoying and have them bicker with each right. other, and you're like, that's kind of a weird way to right. start your movie. You and know? you don't like them. It's sort no, of that's like the it's, thing. They're at the point of the relationship where they are sort of at the point where they're they've gotten over whatever the initial thing that attracted them to one another and now are noticing things they actually really hate about one another. Yeah. And that's where the film begins. And the conversations they have are actually interesting conversations about the nature of the modern power dynamic. And, yeah. and, and it fits in with the rest of the film, but I can see somebody going like, oh, I'm not going to watch this. If you assume the rest of the movie is going to be like that, I wouldn't watch it either. But with that guy, that's never how it's going to be. Yeah, see, I did it. And now that you mention it, now that I've seen the rest of it, it might be kind of fun to go back. Yeah, if you just rewatch <laughs> yeah. it now that you know those characters and how it plays yeah. out, it's actually quite a lot of fun. And uh, and and again, sets up a lot of interesting stuff. Like 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 a little scene. Uh, uh, my friend David pointed this out to me. <laughs> Remember the scene towards the end of the movie where the model guy finds the bottle bottle of perfume. You know, he's like yeah. sitting through garbage, takes out a bottle of perfume. That's actually the bottle of perfume he used. He was advertising. Oh, that's the beginning funny. of the film. That's nice. So it kind of brings it around to that. But anyway, Triangle of Sadness, social satire, very political, uh, I think very funny, outrageous. Yeah, and not necessarily not for everybody. in a, it, it fairly, it's not like subtle satire. No. Uh, but it's also, it's yeah, got some it's subtle very things. funny in parts and all very gross Right. Uh, in kind of a delightful way. Yes, it's, uh, it's so gross. So yeah. this movie tries things that other movies don't. Right. And that's why I mean by it's one of the wackier, you know, additions. I'm, I'm frankly kind of, uh, you know, there's been this talk about over recent years, the Academy has vastly expanded its role, uh, its R-O-L-L, its rules of who can vote. <laughs> and uh, it, with a lot more foreign influence, uh, for example, Parasite winning Best Picture a few years ago, a lot of people think, you know, like five, ten years ago, that never would have happened. 
Uh, but now there's just a lot more voices who are voting for these things. And I think one result of that is that Triangle of Sadness is nominated for these major awards. Because this would have just been like a f total art house movie. Right, that would have no never gotten one, I don't yeah, think like, it would have nominated for Best Foreign Film. Frankly. Yes, it would have been like the best it could hope for is maybe like a Spirit Award nomination. Right. And the fact that it's up for Best Picture is just kind of crazy. Right. And uh, so I hope people watch it. It's uh, It's an interesting journey. Uh, it's you know I also I, I didn't even know Andre going into it like is this movie subtitled and there's like it's like 80% in English yeah, you know wow. there's a little bit uh, but yeah check that one out if you're if you're a little more adventurous I, I think well I think it's actually my favorite film of the year and and, and uh, it, not by like a long shot necessarily but but it's 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 definitely up there and and I would would encourage people not to be turned off by its seeming artiness that it begins with because it begins at, in, a, in a very, like, like you said, it's more than just that conversational scene that's, that's long and in, involved and features unpleasant characters. It, it's literally everything in the beginning of the movie up to them getting to the, to the yacht has that vibe to it. And don't let it turn you off because once it gets out to the yacht, stuff becomes a lot more straightforward. And then, and then kind of goes, just, just gets better from there. So yeah. uh, highly recommended Hulu worth seeing. And, uh, Ostrin's previous films way worth seeing, especially the square, which I believe is still on prime. And, and for free, I believe, but uh, definitely check out the square. It's friggin' hilarious, uh, and and also very smart. All right. Next. So, well, the uh, the two best picture nominees we haven't seen, we discussed yet, are the two that are kind of considered the favorites, the two that are most likely to win. Um, so, uh, what do you want to do first? You want to do the everything, or you want to do Tar? Well, I. Let's do everything, I okay. suppose, you know. I mean, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. It was a fairly successful film. It People was fairly successful, it. yeah. It was People a hit. seem to absolutely love the film. It's a wacky film. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I liked it. Again, I didn't love it. I had sort of a, on the delightful end of the spectrum, similar reaction that I had to All Quiet on the Western Front on the dark end of the spectrum. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the performances. Uh, I thought it was pretty well executed, but um, ultimately it didn't leave me with a hell of a lot to walk away from. I didn't think it had anything particularly clever to say about anything. You know, but um, yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting that when it first came out, it was very much marketed as, you know, it's a movie in the metaverse, but it's not a superhero property. You know, it's an original story, and it's it's kind of almost marketed as kind of a action adventure sci fi movie. And then that's not what it is. It's a family drama. I mean, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's science fiction, and it's based on this multi-universe concept. Sure, but it's that's been it's a family. It's a family. It's a yeah. immigrant family story yeah. told through a genre lens. That's that's I, that's what gives it that special vibe. That your yeah. protagonists are Asian Americans, which is certainly not a community that gets to be protagonists in American movies a lot. Yeah. Although they get a lot of play in China. Yes. But no, it is, it's an American movie. I mean, it takes place in America. It stars, you know, and um, I, I, I love the movie. Um, you know, prior until recently, it was probably my vote for my favorite movie of the year. Again, not perfect. Um, I think 
well, we'll discuss it later. But um, yeah, I think it's delightful. It takes some chances, similar to Baz Luhrmann, you know, in a different way, but also like the filmmakers are kind of uh, filmmakers of excess. Yeah. Uh, you know, by design, they're just yeah. like they're kind of a more is more style approach to things. Uh, but the movie did work for me. It has some fantastic performances, almost all similar to Banshees of Inisherin. Like all the main characters in that film are nominated. Um, you know, and the big revelation, who I think is heavily expected to win, is uh, for best supporting actor. Um, Kehu Kwan, I hope I'm saying short that right. Short round. Short round. He's great. <laughs> and he is, uh, it's one of those, I don't think that, I know at this point he's got a lot of hype over his performance, but when I saw him in the movie, I actually didn't even know that short round was like, he was the guy playing this role. You know, he's now a man in his 50s, but he's great. <laughs> and you're like. Wait, hang on a second. He's in his 50s? Yeah, I think he's like 52. Jesus. Yeah. And uh, turn off the pipe. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> well, but it's, I mean, I'm glad it's coming now, but it does kind of make you depressed about, like, man, we should have seen this guy in some other movies because <laughs> he's a really good actor. Well, you know, she, he really does an outstanding job in the film. And, 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 you know, what all the actors kind of get to do in the film and play a lot of different versions of themselves, which is to say they're, they're, they're playing a lot of different characters. Sure. And that always keeps it fun. So you see one character as he is in a, let's say, Universe A, and then you see the same person in Universe B, and they're a completely different person, and they have they talk differently, they behave differently. And, and that's, that's always fun. It's fun for actors to do, and occasionally it could be fun for audiences to do. Yeah. This movie never got repetitive. A lot of the multiverse stuff gets repetitive. This one avoided that, and it always kept building stuff on top of other stuff and making stuff kind of not get dull because of the the intrinsic repetitiveness of the multiverse concept, right? Yeah. Uh, so that was good. He was fantastic. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is fantastic. Michelle Yeoh is great, too. And it's, um, you know, it's between her and uh, Kate Blanchett for Best Actress. It's yes. kind of duking yes. it out. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is, uh, as you were saying, how Asian families certainly get a lot of play in China. You know, there there's a segment of the Enter. world Enter. where Enter. Michelle Yeoh is like their Harrison Ford or something. You know, that she's... That people have grown up with her in yeah. a gazillion movies. Yeah. So her winning an Oscar would almost be a career achievement award, uh, which is not to say she's not great in the movie. She is great in the movie. Yeah. And uh, so, um, Well, yeah. she's not one of those people who has gotten toiling unrecognized no. in Hollywood because of their Asianness. That would be James Hong. Yes. Who played her dad in the film. Yes. That dude has yes. toiled in Hollywood and for decades upon decades and He's done, I'm assuming he's done pretty well for himself. He's always great in every movie he's in. But, you know, he's always the butler yes. or, you know. Or As he pointed out, his or... first movie was, uh, the lead was Clark Gable. That's how long <laughs> yes. he's been around. That's how long he's been around, absolutely. And and God bless him. I love James Hong and, and uh, I, you know, I, I think it would have been cool if he got a Best Supporting Actor nomination too, just for fun. Not win, just to get it. Because sure. just getting nominated, yeah, yeah. frankly, is enough. In yeah. many ways, and more than enough in some cases. So, all the, all that is good. I don't know if I would give it to Michelle Yeoh over uh, Kate Blanchett. Over Kate yeah, Blanchett. we'll talk about Tar here. There's in a no way. I, I, I yeah, would never it's... give it to her. I'm sorry. Let me ask you another nomination from the film. 
Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Would you have given her an Oscar nomination for that performance? Well, I, so I that would not have. so that's an I I actually might have just in the I have different criteria for supporting performances, where sometimes for me, like for a lead performance, I I look for like almost like a masterful like one for the ages performance. Now for a supporting performance, sometimes I'm like, I like it when someone shows up in a film and just their presence in the movies is just kind of delightful. And it doesn't have to be in there for a lot of scenes, a lot of moments, screen time. Anyway, I guess a long-winded way of saying, I'm, if I had a vote, I might give it to Jamie Lee Curtis. I'd probably give it to Carrie Condon from The Banshees of Inisherin. Oh, but um, I, weird if I don't have any... I don't have any problem with her winning yeah. because I thought she was, again, not only just delightful in general, but I really enjoyed her in this movie, and she got to play a lot of different things, too. And I thought she, her energy in that movie was a nice offset to some of the other characters. Um, yeah. I mean, it will, if we talk about that, you know, just the best supporting actors, the person heavily favored to win is Angela Bassett for Wakanda Forever. Oh, don't and that is the one I, I mean... That blows my mind. I mean, you and I, I know, are both fans of Angela Bassett I'm a fan in of general. Bassett. Absolutely, and as an actress, when, so don't know her personally. But when but, I heard that she was even nominated for that role, she's I was terrible. stunned. She's terrible. Well, and it's such it's a nothing like. I feel like it's a thing. It's you not could even have, a good performance. She was better in that performance than the other Black Panther movie. I also, I mean, for someone of Angela Bassett's skills. I feel like I could have woken her from a dead sleep and she could have given that performance. Course, like she could just fucking roll out of bed and awful. like. And don't even get me started on that film, dude. Why? Yeah. It's horrible. It's a terrible piece of shit. It is not a good movie. And, and the, 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 the people, the younger people that are accepting of garbage like this <laughs> just because it's under a Marvel heading and are. Th- honestly believe that they're watching cinema are fucking crazy and need to be slapped out of their delusion because this is garbage that they're watching and it's lowering their ability to discern quality between movies and it's just sad to me. Well now we're old men yelling at the I don't the care. Moon. <laughs> I don't care man. That movie was aggressively bad and everything in it was bad and all their choices were bad and their special effects which got nominated for the best fucking special effects of the year were bad. So it's just it's just annoying. But the nice thing, at least, is it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. At least they had the decency not to try to feed us that fucking shit sandwich. And thank, thank I'll thank the Academy for that. <laughs> well, um, diatribe over, Steve. Let's uh, move on. Well, to... so we got one more Best Picture nominee to discuss, and that, of course, is Tar. Tar. Uh, Tar is, in some ways, the most old school of all these movie nominees. And that Tar is, I don't know, like, Tar is a slow-moving adult film. Um, yes. Uh, Tar, it, you know, we talked about how Triangle of Sadness is a, a satire, but, you know, not a, a, a kind of a blunt one. True. Tar is a much more subtle satire. It's much more subtle. Like, there's a way you can watch Tar, and depending on, like, what you pick up on in your mood, it's actually quite funny in places. Oh, it's certainly funny. I mean, it's, it, is, it is certainly funny. But it's it's not as funny as Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness is a lot funnier. Yeah, no. But, but Tar, Tar is more a uh, slight sly chuckles. I think Tar has, has like, kind of more to say than Triangle of Sadness. Uh, yeah. Like, overall. Like, I, I'm not saying Triangle of Sadness does not have stuff to say. It's just 
Tar seems to be the movie for our time because Tar is a movie about cancel culture and power dynamics and that kind of stuff, and it's very timely. It's also a movie that features long fucking monologues about, like, Schubert and Handel and and who the fuck wants to watch that, Steve? I don't get <laughs> well, it. Well, you know, it's interesting... I guess I am. <laughs> well, I am too, apparently. Uh, because, how, did, how did how was it so engaging? Well, part of it is, and this is, we were kind of dancing around this with the Michelle Yeoh discussion. So, I've always liked Kate Blanchett. I've been a big fan of Kate Blanchett. I've seen her do all sorts of different things. She's a brilliant actor. This performance, to me, is like a Raging Bull level. It's like, super Blanchett. I can't. Kate, take my eyes off her for a yeah, second. Yeah, she's she and is and unbelievable, powerful, completely convincing in that role. Yeah, um, so we've we've been we we've we've been around the world of conductors, Steve. I must say, <laughs> I have to say, yeah. people don't know this about us, but we have we have touched upon the world of classical music yeah. much more than many other people do. And uh, I thought all that stuff seemed extremely authentic. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I love the, the idea of these people who, you know, they occupy this in the global sense. It's this weird little niche world. But within that world, they think they are, you know, the Brad Pitts of the world. Like, you know, yeah. that, within they that expect world, everyone they are Brad Pitts. and they want everyone to cater to them. Right. And, right. Uh, and, yeah, so the movie does a good job of skewering this, and then it's also one of the more interesting movies about, like, sexual dynamics, but then plays, has interesting things to say about that. Yeah. And about power dynamics and taking advantage and, like, older people taking advantage of young people, but it's not all just, like, the obvious beats of that. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I was, it's one of those movies that I just, was mesmerized by it. I too, man. I just quickly, you're watching it. And again, if you describe, like, you know, like, what were you watching? Like, well, it starts off with her doing this long onstage interview. It starts off with a 20-minute, with almost like watching a television program, if that television program had a guest star of Lydia Tarr talking about classical music in the world of conducting. And that's how the movie starts, and it doesn't let up. It it doesn't give you a snippet of that. It gives you the whole thing, and then you get into, like, oh, and what is she actually like in an academic setting? Oh, what is she actually like to work for? What is she actually like as a a spouse? And so many just, like, subtle bits. Like, you know, there's the assistant with the clicking pen, and, uh, (laughs) you know, there's a scene where Tar goes into his office... And when he's not looking, she just quietly takes the pen away. Uh, you know, she goes home at one point, and there's someone who knows her from her old Pennsylvania town. And he's like, oh, how's it going? I thought Lyd- that was her Lyd- brother. I thought, it- anyways, somebody walks in and goes, how's it going, Lydia? Uh, or how's it, how's it going, Linda? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Lydia. You know, and it's, it's nice. But so I... It sounds like you're less torn than I am, but when it comes to the best actress race, it's really interesting to me because, and this is like a fun argument to have, that if Michelle Yeoh wins, it's hard for me to say like I'd be mad because I love Michelle Yeoh. I've loved her in other things. I think she's good in this movie. It's hard for me to be like I'm pissed off that Michelle Yeoh got an Oscar. But if she does win, then that means for now until eternity... 
will look back and be like, Kate Blanchett really didn't fucking win for Tar? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. And it happened. I mean, it happens it all happens. the time. It I happens. mean, I remember you and I discussed for the movie The Master and Joaquin right. Phoenix. And, like, I thought Joaquin Phoenix was doing some sort of crazy next-level shit. Sure, sure. And uh, he did not win. He's <laughs> for that. Happens and, all the time. And I it's think possible. this is... And this Tar, is, the, the uh, movie itself may be a turn-off to people. The, 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 you know, maybe it's too subtle for everybody. Who knows what's yeah. going on with the Academy now? Just purely on, like, my preference, my aesthetics, my own personal view, I think Tar is the best movie I saw. Okay. So uh, if I had a vote, I would vote. For that, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I think everything, everywhere at once is going to win Best Picture. That's your prediction. Um, yeah, and I have flip a coin about the actress, but I will say Kate Blanchett gives one of the like better performances I've seen. That it's like that's one of the best performances I've seen of like the past five years, not just this year. It's a fantastic performance, absolutely fantastic. I absolutely love her, and uh, and. Uh, I I mean, I don't love her, like, generally. I just, I think her performance is, uh, is stellar. And so we, we completely agree on this point, Steve. Yeah. We completely agree. So my prediction for Best Picture of the Year, uh, Avatar 2. Just kidding. It's not Avatar 2. That should not have even been nominated now that we're actually talking about it. Well, there's it. 10 choices now. I know. So. That's one too many, I think, uh, in, in that case. But, but listen, I will definitely be happy to see Tarwin. I will be definitely be happy to see uh, Triangle of Sadness win. And I'll be okay with everything everywhere all at once winning as well. I think everything else is really you know, not up to not quite up to Tar, shall we say. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I agree with all that. Uh, I also, which I know you can't really comment on, um, I will find it weird, kind of. Uh, well, I can see there's a there's a world where the Fableman wins, and uh, we do not live in that universe. Dude. Well, it, it wouldn't be my pick. I would be surprised, not shocked, is the best way I can put that. And also, with the long running, all I can say is I I like the Fablemans, and there are some years where the movie that wins Best Picture is a movie I don't even like. Right. <laughs> so it sounds like we're in good hands that. The, the odds are that the movie that wins will be at least a movie that I enjoy, which is about all I can hope for. Absolutely. Not not a bad year overall for the awards, but let's go through some of the other awards. Like, what anything else struck struck you this year? Like, we, we talked a little about documentary films. The only one I've seen is uh, Fire of Love. Fire of Love. I really enjoy. I really enjoy that, too. You can watch that on both Hulu and Disney. Yeah. It's a documentary about these volcanologists. Volcanologists. Which is fun. French volcanologists from... It doesn't mean Spock. That means uh, volcanoes. Right. Good point. Good point. Uh, and, uh, um, yeah, it's a really cool film. Some cool footage. It's one of those things that was, like, assembled later on uh, in, in time. It actually was assembled fairly recently. And... Uh, it was uh, done from their original 16-millimeter footage, so the movie looks very good. Uh, it's a very interesting study uh, and kind of deep dive, as it were, into the world of volcanoes and volcanology. Yeah. And both characters are charming and delightful, and you kind of stick with them, and uh, and it's kind of touching. It's a, it's, it's a good documentary. It kind of reminded me of Grizzly Man a little bit. It is a little and bit it, like Grizzly it, Man. It, they, are, uh, they do... Without the snarky uh, commentary. Yeah, well, both of those movies have the 
advantage of that the subjects were kind of filmmakers in their own right. Right. So that, you know, they left behind not only a lot of footage, but, you know, like, like good footage. You right. Know? Like, Very uh, good footage. I was, uh, one of my enduring memories of Grizzly Man is that, like, kind of the shock that this guy was actually, like, it's a pretty good filmmaker. Yeah, sure. sure you know, sure. like his, uh, like just his framing and like yeah. his. And these guys have exactly the same thing going, and um, they even used better equipment, so so it's on film and it it looks great. So that that, that was good. What else, what else jumped out at you? Well, I've seen uh, some of the shorts, uh, and one I really kind of enjoyed, which you can watch on Hulu, is this uh, animated short, uh, and it's for. Adults, <laughs> not adult for kids. It's called My Year of Dicks, year and it's dicks. Uh, it's a uh, it's about a 15 year old girl who decides she wants to lose her virginity, and her uh, adventures in trying to make that happen with a series of uh, candidates. Uh, you know, it's told from the point of view of uh, it's a very autobiographical film. Seems like it was written by a woman who recruited somebody else to help her animate it. It's got an interesting animation style, a little bit similar to some of the Richard Linklater bits, like mm-hmm, in Walking mm-hmm. Life. Uh, so much so that some of the way I almost wondered if, um, like, if there were real humans that were doing some of the movements, like initially, you know, mm. they animated over that because uh, it's a very real, like, like a rotoscoping, a little bit, but yeah. I don't think they did actually. So it's an interesting. Yeah, um, I think rotoscoping is is very viable. And yeah, but really so th- well. that is one I think you should check out again. It's not a not a children's film. I mean, you your teenager could watch it. It's one of those yeah. things. I don't know about you, as someone who's now the parent of a teenager, that there are movies that's like I wouldn't have a problem with my teenager watching it, but probably neither one of us wants to be in the same like in the room at the same time watching it together. Yeah, you know, like yes, we'd probably both be a little like yeah, but. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, that one I quite enjoyed. Um, those are the ones I've seen. A couple other ones. I mean, I did what, see. What about the peripheral things that 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 like like the other awards? Like you know, you you mentioned like the best director will probably go to might go to Steven Spielberg, but you do you fe- think Todd Field has that? You know. I actually don't. I actually think the uh, the Daniels, the, the two Daniels guys who directed everything everyone yeah. wants. I think they're going to win that and Best Picture. Um, and wow, you're really predicting a sweep of that. You know, it has won every major industry award so far, and uh, it's kind of those aren't always. I mean, it's like sometimes usually there are movies that win some of them or most of them and then Mm. you know you don't know but when a movie wins all of them Mm. like it's kind of like well like it's winning the SAG award and the Producers Guild award and all these other like then it's kind of like that's probably going to win yeah Um, so yeah and and similar to your I won't be mad about it Um, Todd Field would maybe be who I would vote for and, mm-hmm. uh, I, and I've actually not really been a huge fan of his previous films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found them, they were almost the Martin McDonough <laughs> experience <laughs> where, like, I, I would believe them up to a point, and then right. there'd come a point where I didn't believe right. them, no and then them. I would lose the vibe of it. Um, but this one, I flowed with the whole thing, and it has such a unique tone. And, uh, and you know, it, I mean, if there's a flaw with it, it's like... Does that movie work with a different actress? I mean, maybe not. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think Todd Field's going to win, and I think you're right. The Daniels may win. Uh, if they split and, the vote, and, I would say Spielberg wins. Uh, right, right. I, 
like to see Ruben Ostlund win, but that's I, not going to happen. No way. <laughs> <laughs> that shit just ain't You're more happen. likely to go sliding along a yacht full of vomit and shit before that happens. Maybe not his year, but, but I feel like in the near future, he's got a serious Hollywood satire in, in, in his uh, bag of tricks that he's definitely not going to win for. <laughs> Speaking of Hollywood satires, there's a, you know, one of the films that's been up for a few technical awards is Babylon. Yeah. And I, uh, uh, I've seen Babylon, Steve, and uh, I just, I have not, I, yeah. I just, uh, it's amazing that it has any Oscar nominations, but it is a sumptuous and uh, very expensive <laughs> and very uh, uh, ambitious uh, take on uh, the Hollywood of the 1920s and 30s. And it is a complete shit show, Steve. It's 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 a glorious disaster, uh, but uh, it sure is fun to watch. So yeah. since it I mean, is it's a, on Paramount Plus, I highly recommend it. It's good post Oscar watching because it is so ridiculous. Uh, but Damien Chazelle, I mean, he, he did it. He did the uh, thing where uh, you know he he's a previously Oscar lauded filmmaker. He made a movie glorifying old Hollywood. I mean, usually that's like... I don't like, think he glorified anything. That's, that's like fish in a barrel for Oscar oh, nominations. Gee, yeah. But and, that's, uh, I think, the he, pro, that's part of the thing. It's not a glorification of any sort. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a hardcore indictment. I mean, he was going for, I guess, something along the lines of Nashville, <laughs> of yeah. Hollywood. And and he fails, like, like gloriously in a sense, just because the movie just doesn't work and the characters are irritating and the ending is horrible and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, but it is an interesting ride, and it's always yeah. interesting to watch movies that are, in fact, failures. Uh, in, in a way, it's, it's, it's more interesting to talk about movies that are failures. It may not be that interesting to watch them. Well, I know uh, this one was. Like, you and I are both uh, Lou Reed fans. Yes. And uh, one of the things I always admired about Lou Reed is Lou Reed had some, like, spectacularly bad ideas. <laughs> like, really just, like, like you know, late in his life, he's like, what if I made a double album that's all based around Edgar Allan Poe? <laughs> you know, and that's... So there is a part of me that's like, you know, tip of the hat to somebody who's like, I am going to... This, this isn't just, like, a kind of a bad idea. Yes. It is an all-the-way bad idea. It's phenomenal. It's a phenomenally, phenomenally bad idea. But uh, So uh, if we go into, like, supporting actor, do you predict the Ki-Hui Kwan's uh, victory in that one as well? Absolutely. I think that one's a done deal. It's because it's so delightful to have short ground pop up as a grown adult and be so good. Yes. Right. I, I, I kind of I feel that. His story combined with the momentum of the film and he's good in it, I think that one is a wrap. Do you think Judd Hirsch could be a come from behind contender because no. people seem to love him in, in the He films? is. I mean, he's memorable, he's lovable. I will say too, in the world of Oscars, there are uh, there's a long history of a elderly person getting their first nomination or their first nomination in a long time and everyone thinks how delightful it is and wouldn't be nice when we give this elderly person their Oscar and then what happens is they don't win. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think he's going to win, especially because there are, you know, I don't know about among actors, I know among some critics, there are some people who, uh, that in a weird way is a divisive 
performance mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. some people find him too much. Uh, I know you haven't seen it. He's great. I, I love him. He's also, he's in that movie for less than 10 minutes. We may have overlooked the best feature animated film. What are our dominees here? We got uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That's going to win. I haven't even seen it, and I'll tell you, that's going to win. I heard great things about Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I, I yeah, haven't that's seen chill. it yet. Uh, we got uh, Turning Red, which I've never even heard of. That was Puss a, in Boots, uh, Turning Red was watch. a Disney movie this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit of a uh, menstruation metaphor, mm. but with giant red pandas. Mm -hmm. uh, Turning Red is actually, it's pretty good. It's the also, animated panda kids book. like it. It's yes. not going to win. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It'd be weird if it won. I think Guillermo del Toro has its sim. Guillermo del Toro is going to win because he has the Oscar pedigree. The have movie's well reviewed. I haven't yet. Yeah, and I've, it's, I've uh, seen the film. It's also extremely And they're also, ambitious. they're marketing the shit out of that. Like, yeah. he, he wants it. Well, the, the animation on that film is so uh, singular. It's so absolutely unique. I've never seen anything like that. I think the movie bites off way more than it needs to uh, in terms of its story. But having said that, it is engaging. The voice acting is fantastic. The music's cool. But visually, it's the uniqueness of its visual vision yeah. <laughs> uh, is, is, I think, going to win it. I mean, you don't... Guillermo del Toro, we talked a little bit about this when, uh, what's the underwater movie that won Best Picture? The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. Uh, when that came out, Which now Tor is fashionable for everybody to loathe it. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly hearing people about talking on and on about That movie is fine. It's simple. It's also like, you know, I heard a funny counter argument to be like, listen, if you think the movie where the woman fucks the fish man is too cliche for you <laughs> like like yeah and but del toro as a filmmaker's the thing to me is like i like him i never love him i always wish i liked him better and mm -hmm. in, in that regard he's almost like the tim burton of the 21st century that, like he's got some kind of he's got a visual aesthetic which is interesting but you always just i don't know i've just never fallen in love with any of his movies and uh mm -hmm. But he wants it, and I think he's going to win that thing. Uh, I will put a little special shout-out just as a parent of a young child who goes to see a lot of these movies. Uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, is way better than you think it might be. Uh, that's what everybody says? And, uh, I had a delightful time at the movies. That kind of has a animation style where a lot of times it looks painterly. Uh, in a good way, uh -huh. um, but uh, as a kids' movie, you know, I'm not saying it's some sort of masterpiece. I'm just saying it's fair. It's pretty solid. Yeah. And if you watch that with your kid, you will have fun. Yeah, I like that character, and uh, and uh, I've I've liked them in the previous Shrek uh, yeah. spin-off thing, so I could see that being a lot of fun. But I don't see it winning. So no, I, I think but... you're right. It's gonna be Del Toro all the way, unless there's a serious backlash against. Uh, the Shape of Water. I, they, they, that, that's the only thing that could sink him, and I don't know. Yeah, I think the backlash are from more, not from, it, it's not a majority of voters. I got you, got you. No, I, I think he's in, I think he's in safe, uh, safe territory with, uh, with that Pinocchio. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I got, buddy. Yeah, we should, it's been a while, it's a long one, but, uh, hopefully this gives you a little something to talk about as you're, Getting ready for the big night. 
Absolutely. Uh, hopefully you listen to it just in time to watch the Oscars. I recommend listening to the podcast while Jimmy Kimmel is giving his opening. <laughs> that's my suggestion. Wow, but I didn't know just... there's such anti-Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> position. Wow. I just hate him as an entertainer. He's probably a wonderful human being. That's all I got, buddy. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Steve Askin. And I'm Andre Shane, and we are Film Driven. Thank you.